Comic Fam. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Comic Tom, and I'm sitting here with Fire Guy Ryan. That's me. Fire Guy Ryan. This is episode number 19. Wow, we've done 19 of these. It's amazing. It's a lot. And you know what else? What else? We're about to drop the biggest news we've ever dropped on our channel. We have a huge surprise for you. Giant size. Like Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam size yes. news right now. So every month we put an exclusive comic in our Mystery Mail Calls subscribers box. Everyone gets one. We've been doing it for a few months. And we recently have a partnership that has solidified. And starting January, I am pleased to announce that Marvel Comics has taken interest and they have joined forces so that we can provide a Comic Tom Marvel exclusive in the Mystery Mail Call. And we're kicking off January right. Open enrollment is now with Thor, Donnie Cates, my first Marvel Comic Tom exclusive, courtesy of cover artist In Hyuk Lee. It's a good one. Look at Iron Man. Look at him right there in all his glory. Freaking two heroes on the cover. Ugh. How did we make this happen? I don't even know. But you know what? The community is going to be the ones to benefit. Join the community by hitting the link in the bio. Freaking Donnie Cates Thor, dude. I'm so pumped for this Thor run. Dude, I've been holding this in for uh, so long. And yes. I'm just so glad that I was able to let the community know right now. Let everyone know this is big news. This is, the, this is some of the coolest stuff that's ever happened. This is. And I'm never here for the cool big announcement news things. So I'm excited just to be, to be in the room for this. Well, I'm glad you're here today, Ryan. Hit the subscribe button, comic fan. We talk a lot about comic books. And we have a packed show for you today. We're talking about comic books that are going to save you some money in your household. We're also going to be talking about a gift that was sent to the comic book community. We were sent something really dope by a publisher. We're also talking about people who have been busted, specifically superheroes. Also thought it'd be a cool idea to talk about some Thor stuff. We got a Thor exclusive coming out, so we're going to do like a little, a little Thor, a little Kate's, a little bit of a refresher course. Let's start this show off right with a new category on Key Collector Comics, our sponsor of the show. This category had us busting a gut. There's so many categories in this darn app, and like every time you open it, there's a new one. And we we were just looking looking for categories a little while ago. We were thinking of thinking of something fun to say in the show, and boom, we found one. And it's just like, okay, we got to talk about that, I guess. Well, there's a ton of categories because, dude, look at this freaking Overstreet. Look at how many comic books are in here. You got to figure out a way to be able to make this digestible. And Key Collector Comics does that. Use code Tom 101 and get a free week subscription. And this category is glow in the dark covers. You think about it and you're like, okay, yeah, I guess I could kind of remember some comics that had glow in the dark on covers on them, but I never, I don't think about those. Right. Do you think there's like collectors out there? Like I, we talked about foreign comics recently yes. and it was really cool to see all of these collectors come out of the woodwork, reach out to the show. They started DMing us and messaging us and tagging us on Instagram with their finds. Shout out Matthew Royball. Heck yeah. yeah. Do you think there's other Matthew Royballs? But in the glow in the dark community, are we going to start getting like Facebook groups that gotta are be a glow reaching in the dark out? Community out like, <laughs> are you part of the glow in the dark community, comic fam? Let us know if you collect someone. glow in the dark covers. But this one right here, we got to chat about. We have Ghost Rider issue number fifteen. I've seen this so many times. I've owned so many copies. It came out in July nineteen ninety one, but I didn't know that this was the first glow in the dark cover to hit press. I would almost feel like something like that has to be older. Like that's that's such old technology, you know. It's the, pretty interesting. The, the glow-in-the-dark technology on a, on a Ghost Rider cover. That makes so much sense, too. Like I know, that right? fits him as a character. I know. I kind of lucked out with that one. Now, two months later, this may be considered the second appearance because I don't know of any in between. 
we may be wrong with this, but it's still cool nonetheless. We have Sandman special, the no number. It says uh, orphans right on the cover. I believe that's actually the, the story, but this is Neil Gaiman goodness. It came out in 1991 and it's also a glow in the dark cover. I've had so many copies of this. I actually have a copy of the of the next one on here. Yeah. And it makes sense because if you think of things glowing in, in the dark and glowing green in the dark, you know, you kind of think of Green Lantern, at least I do. Uh, green Lantern 50. We were actually just talking about this not that long ago when the uh, with the spec for the, the new HBO show they're working on. This was the first appearance of Hal Jordan as Parallax. Cover glows in the dark. It's also the first appearance of Kyle Rayner as the Green Lantern. And I didn't know this was a glow in the dark cover. This is such a weird thing. I've seen this comic so many times. I know the book quite well. I've read it, but I didn't know it was a glow-in-the-dark book. I know it came out in 92, but you know what? The one thing I remember is that cover does feel weird. It's got weird texture. That's kind of like your biggest indicator. Right? It makes me really miss the 90s when it like it felt like everything was glow-in-the-dark. Is that what the 90s feels like? Like that, a That bumpy glow-in-the-dark, like goosebumps kind of texture? I'm thinking so. And you know what? If we're talking early 90s with like new variants and styles of comic books hitting the shelves, you know our homie over at Coffin Comics, Brian Polito, was about to be riding that wave. That's right. We're talking about Evil Ernie, Revenge, number one, a glow-in-the-dark comic book. This is a cool book, dude. Evil Ernie is pretty cool. Do you know who else is pretty cool? Kelly Jones. Dude, this next one's pretty dope. I didn't even know this was a thing. Batman. Issue number 531. I know this cover. What I didn't know is that there is a reprinted cover, also done by Kelly Jones, but it was a special glow-in-the-dark cover. But what's also interesting is that this comic has a DC Universal logo on it. So that means that this likely was included in DC packs and sold at a very scarce market count. You always got to be on the lookout for those DC Universe logos. All right. Jump into the next subject of the show. We're talking about people who got busted. And the reason why we're talking about people who were arrested was because the NYPD tweeted out something really funny. Yeah, this is one of those things that makes you kind of think about what it must be like to be a, a law enforcement officer, somebody whose job it is to like protect people. To protect and serve. And you know what? They run into some very uncomfortable, unique in strange situations, and I think this is one of those cases. When I think about a cop's daily life, I, I either think about very, very boring or very, very intense like movie examples that probably aren't that realistic, but you get this weird kind of stuff that's definitely more in the middle, and it's unpredictable and very strange, and that's, that's what I would call this one, this bust that we saw a photo of. There's kind of the usual things I think you would think of when you think of like... Yeah, they took a picture of what they found after a bust took place and the things they confiscated from the Right, there was like person. a there was a gun. There was a, a little jar full of, of cannabis. Makes sense. You, you kind of expect those sort of things. He had a machete. Yeah, okay. That's like, okay, he's got a machete there? Okay, that's, that's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't want to bust... I mean... You obviously you don't want to see a gun. Obviously, that's like scary. That's super yes. scary. But you don't want to bust in and have someone like have a machete. A machete is a little different. That's you not don't just want a, a knife. You, know, you don't want to deal with a machete. Yeah. You know. But you also what you don't want to deal with? Uh, Wolverine. That's right. You don't want to deal with Wolverine claws, and that is what is bringing us to this story here. NYPD tweeted this out, and it's got a picture of everything, including these like. Metal. It's like a cosplay kind of thing or something. It's like you hold it. It's like brass knuckles or something. You hold in your hand and it's got claws like that come blades. out of it. And they're like, all right, first things first, we didn't arrest Wolverine. 
Can you imagine? <laughs> like in my head, I'm thinking like a drug dealing, gun packing Wolverine who's also got a machete and and his claws. So I assume that this is someone who sold cannabis or something. Let's, right. Let's let's just sure. We have no idea what anything about this person. We're visualizing but, all of this in our heads. Can you imagine this marijuana dealer? But he he's just always wearing these claws. Always. How, okay. Yeah, he's always like, all right, it's good to see you. And he's got these freaking I claws figured on. He would bust him out like, you know, if someone tried to pull one pull a fast one on him or something, he'd be like, no, back off, bub. He's, <laughs> I got, got, my... he's got claws ready to go. And <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is kind of funny. You know, Wolverine, obviously, it's it's just kind of silly. It's comic related. It is comic related, but this got us looking at other instances where individuals were kind of associating themselves with superheroes in a way, even if it's a little indirect. In getting this arrested and yeah, getting in, in trouble with the law. So that, that kind of sparked the idea and we decided to look up various other superhero criminals. Now, criminals may be a harsh word for some of these on this list, like the first one. We're talking about Phoenix Jones in our hometown, dude. Phoenix Jones made press back in like the early 2000s because he had been for, I think it was like a few years prior to that, slowly gaining a following because of his vigilante work on the Seattle streets. He's a real-life vigilante in Seattle. He's got the mask. He's got the body armor. Mm-hmm. Dude, there was a point where there was a the comic book store. I can't remember which one it was, but there was a comic store in Seattle that gave him a secret room behind comic books. He was he would go into the comic store to switch into his outfit. Like a bat cave? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, he had the whole thing ha- going for him. And in 2011, he was actually part of a pepper spray incident that got him arrested. And he actually had to reveal his identity on the streets of Seattle on television. Yeah, this like is a, like a superhero moment. I'm Phoenix Jones. I'm also Ben Fodor. Uh, I also protect the city. I also am a father. You know, I'm just like uh, everyone else. It's like a Spider-Man Civil War kind of situation. He took his mask off. He said who he was. and Yeah, he got in trouble for... He got in a fight with somebody and to try and, and defuse the fight, he, he whipped out some pepper spray. And I, you know, that, that is considered assault by the police. And that will get you arrested, even if you are a superhero. Thank you, Phoenix Jones. Okay, now moving on to someone else who, yeah, I mean, Phoenix Jones, if, if you were in a scuffle, something happened in Seattle, and Phoenix Jones showed up, you're going to feel pretty safe, I'm betting. He's Hopefully. a good guy. I mean, he's, he's looking for people's stolen cars, things like that. But some people who dress up as a superhero, it's more for nefarious reasons, just like this man in Mississippi. I don't even know if this counts as nefarious. This... This story is so out there that it's like, I, I question this guy's like mental faculties. Okay, we'll we'll show you the picture here in a second, but oh. let's let's uh let's explain We're what this paint the scene. Here. Yeah. Okay. So it's three o'clock in the morning. Right. This older gentleman. He's sleeping. He hears a ruckus outside in his he's backyard. A, this guy's like a, a veteran or a, a marine, some sort of military, and he's he's uh, he hears something going on in his backyard at three in the morning, and he's got his training. He's he's up. He's ready to go. Oh, dude, he grabs his gun. Yeah, he runs out to the backyard, and what does he see? He sees a man dressed in a Captain America costume with with wings on. He's wearing fairy wings and a Captain America costume. He's wearing fairy wings. In a Captain America costume, trying to break into this guy's shed in his backyard. At 3 o'clock in the at morning. 3 in the morning. What was he trying to get? Some shovels or something? The Cosmic Cube is probably in there. You know, <laughs> he's, he's he came it. back in time. He's looking That's for the Cosmic exactly Cube and he found it. it it's buried in your backyard. I got to get the shovel. Mm. But this gentleman um, has this kind of a sad picture. Um, Steve Rogers sitting on a bench 
Um, and he, and he's handcuffed and he's not looking happy, but you know what? He went with the Captain America outfit that has the extra muscle. Well, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You need that to, you know, bust down the shed door. This next one is absolutely unbelievable. And we have some pictures to show. I really wish there was video of this as well, because I really wish I could see how this went down. Dude, they could make a movie. Right. Out of how crazy this is. I imagine okay. I haven't seen it yet, but I imagine this is what Super was like with with Rain Wilson. <laughs> with Rain Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Okay. Okay, we have Mark Williams. This gentleman was arrested. So let's again paint the picture for sure. the community. There was a crime that took place. Okay. Enough to actually have blockers. Like you know the the plastic that they put around the area. Yeah, the police because had to like cordon off a set, a set zone because of, you know, a serious enough crime where they had to shut, you know, traffic down and keep people away. It wasn't just like so serious that they had to keep it away. They had to leave and come back. It was too much to do in one like go. Sure. So they blocked it off. And then when the rest of the crew came, they found something that was jaw dropping. They found Batman. They freaking find Batman in the crime scene. (laughs) This gentleman, Mark Williams dressed as Batman. And this is more like the Adam West style, you know? Yeah. He is on site walking around and he, and he walks up to the police officers, apparently doing the voice even. And he's letting them know that he's already you have to, scrubbed. You have to say it in the right voice. You oh, have to I'm really... in character here. I'm the cop. Oh, you're the, you're the police officer. I'll be the police okay. officer. Excuse me, sir. You Excuse... had, this is a crime scene. I'm sorry. I've already scrubbed it, officers. Excuse me? I scrubbed it. I've been all over the scene. You've been all over... Are a secure crime scene. That's right. And never mind the fact that I'm in this Batman outfit. That's coincidental. But I've actually totally contaminated the entire area. Yeah, he was already in his... He didn't like hear about this on the news and go out to find the crime scene. He was already like on patrol or whatever as he was, Batman that He night. was walking the street, apparently found it, went into the scene, and he had actually got arrested and charged because the dogs that were there to... like. Yeah, find like, the scent and everything. I mean, this was a, a crime that took place. He threw it all off. He contaminated the scene uh, as Batman. And his reasoning was it was coincidental. He he was there to help. He happened to be in the Batman suit. Pits wet yeah, in all I its didn't glory. need that image in my life, but there you go. Very sweaty. That's what it felt like in here in the summertime, by the way. Also, can you just imagine, like, again, like being one of these police officers and like you're already dealing with this intense crime scene that's probably very stressful and then you get this guy who just shows up in a costume and he's acting all over the place and he's acting like he is part of the team like he's helping you like he's like hey guys you're welcome you, oh, you hey take guys, that part welcome. i got this section over here by the way i checked it it's totally clear yeah you guys don't even have to go over <laughs> yeah. there you don't have to go over there there's nothing over there, <laughs> there's nothing over there. <laughs> oh thanks batman oh my goodness no. okay we got gifts we have gifts gifts from bill sinkovich art from freaking Six Foot Publishing, the publishing house that handles his stuff. What is going on? Marvel announcement today. Yeah. Bill S. is sending comic books to the show to be given away and sent in the mail call. I don't belong here anymore. This is too big time for me right now. What is happening? Well, first Ugh. off, I just want to show some some gifts from Bill S. Because oh, it's going to go to the man. community. What better place to debut it? We have Immortal Hulk issue number 20, signed by the legend. We also have Detective Comics issue 1000, both covers with certs signed by the legend. We have New Mutants, Chris Claremont, the recent issue signed by Bill S. with Walking Dead variants as well, 
both signed by Bill S. Incredibly generous. Fans of the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We also have a bunch of prints here that are going to be prime for giveaways going forward, and we're just going to start off this show with a giveaway right now. How about this new mutant print, courtesy of Bill Simkavich Art? How does that happen? Dude, I don't even know, but I've been a fan of Bill for so long. This guy is one of the most creative artists in the game. There was a long stretch of time where you had every comic behind you back there. Every single one. Each one of them was from him, one of his covers. From the PC, dude. Wasn't one of, wasn't this one up there for forever? Yep. Andrea one? Yeah, Andrea was out there for a long time. I Not thought that, that was... specific comic, of course, but no. that cover anyway. No, but comment down below. Let us know what you think about the show. Let us know what you think about Bill S. Do you have a favorite Bill S. cover? I'll enter you to win this print courtesy of Six Foot Publishing and Bill Sienkiewicz Art. And I also got a freaking gift. This right here is Bill Sienkiewicz Revolution. This is a... It says Volume 1, by the way. So there uh, might be more of these coming. There may be. I hope there are. But it's a beautiful hardcover. 224 pages. Nine and a half inches by 12 inches. And it's got an introduction of, by Neil Gaiman, as well as an essay. Oh, my goodness. The essay is done by Ben Davis. He's a historian. And the art... I picked a few. Yeah, right? Which ones are your favorite? I picked the uh, this Nosferatu painting that's in here. I'll have to show them off like better. Yeah, we'll get better shots of it. Actual photo of them. Yeah, my favorite. Oh yeah, dude. Michael Myers. Halloween. Gotta of course. show Halloween. Halloween God, looking so gorgeous. Good. My favorite's the Aubrey Plaza. I've never seen this, but tell me that that is not. That's not like tell me that's not her. How does he that do is, such that a is her essence? How does he capture her essence in just like a quick little pencil sketch like that? I don't know. I don't know how people do. I don't know how anybody can draw anything. But. Freaking man's incredible. Uh. Thank you for my signed copy. Um, available right now. This is actually brand new. Super excited to to own that. And we're just so great, gracious. Thank you so much. It's an incredible thing. Yeah, this is mind blowing. Mind blowing. Okay. Um, next part of the show that is mind blowing. Viewer comments. Boosh. Viewer comments. All right. So the community is so strong. They're leaving comments on our videos. We like to go through them. We like to read them, which we read all of them. And we also like to talk about them on the mic. So comment down below. We'd love to hear from you. First comment is from Mark Spectre Comics. Just save 10% of your weekly wages and don't touch it. Place it in an interest-bearing account and you'll get a million dollars in 40 years. There we go. That's kind of the whole gist of that segment we did. That was about how to make a million dollars illustrating comics. And long story short, it kind of boiled down to just be more responsible with your money and, and save better and don't spend on things you don't need. That's right. It was a fun conversation because this production company who's adamantly trying to take young blood to the mass markets is trying to convince new entrepreneurs to draw comics for them at a low rate and explaining them how if they were just to divvy up their page rate and put that money in a savings account, well, after 40 years, you'll be a millionaire. Yeah, that's all you need. Just 40 more years of life and some money. Thanks for breaking that down for those who aren't artists. Appreciate yeah, the comment. That, that was a that was a fun segment. I, I love doing that one. Next comment is from Com's Collections. Comic Tom origin story of overachieving young gun Wolf of Wall Street esque banker needs to be adapted by Boom Studios. Issue four, <laughs> first appearance of Fire Guy Ryan would be a spike in sales. Oh my goodness. Okay, so first off, one thing that started to happen whenever Ryan's reading the comments for sure 
I don't look at the comments. I'm like, Ryan, you picked them because I want to be surprised. I may have missed that comment, and that's freaking hilarious. That must have been in reference to our bonus show that we released recently. Exactly. Because we started releasing the bonus show that is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. The camera shut off, but the audio keeps going. The mics, we keep them on. We keep talking about comics and other things. And today's after show, we're going to be talking about, I'm going to say it right now, my, f- I think the best show, comic book Absolutely. show, that's best, come out this year. Best television show, period. I'll say, I'll say of all television show of yes, all year, all year. Watchmen. That's right. Best show of the year. We're talking about it on the after show. We do an after show, a bonus show. After the camera shut off, we keep the mics going. We're gonna be talking about that on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. Hope that you join us there. But we recently dropped one of the bonus shows on YouTube. After a few months, we'll put them there. And we, yeah, we chatted about how we met at the bank. I hired you. And that's a freaking funny comment. I'm very much looking forward to the Comic Tom origin story. Boom. Hit us up. Last but not least, comment number three from Tyler McDonald. Why does Ryan look like he could play Red Guardian in the new Black Widow movie? Dude, you look like him, dude. <laughs> David Arbor right here, dude. I, I like For real, comic fam, let us know in the comment section below. Do you think Ryan should <laughs> cosplay? I've never cosplayed anything in my life. I dude. feel like that would be the weird one to start with, but... You watching, look like him, man. Watching that trailer, especially now with the beard. I think it's the beard. And I love it, by the, the way. The beard sealed the deal for me. Seeing him in that costume that just does not fit right and, and the beard. And yeah, like it's, it hits too close to home. Let us know in the comment section below. Maybe we can get Ryan to cosplay as Red Guardian. <laughs> I'd rather do that than get a neck tattoo. Maybe we can get a, ne- a red... Uh, here it is. That's neck it. tattoo of Red Guardian. David Harbour here, right That's on my right. neck. <laughs> All right. That's right. Okay, this next section of the show, I have... It's long overdue. When did I tell you about this next section? Like within the first three months of this channel, I'd, I'd say. Like well over a year ago. I've had this idea that I've wanted to do for a long time and I decided, we you did know it. what? We watched the whole thing. We sat down. We scripted something. We recorded. We recorded something. We never released. Didn't really feel right. It didn't Can feel right. Do we still right. have it? Is that still available somewhere? I don't think so. It's no. back on an old computer, I think. But you know what? Old news. It's probably gone. We're going to end up re-recording it. We're going to be doing more of these sections. And really, we're going to be trying out some new stuff as we go into the new year. So we want to hear from the community what you think. But this next section of the show it's about that feeling that you get when you're watching tv when you're watching a youtube channel something that is not comic book centric and then you have that moment and you go whoa that's a comic you know it's like that feeling when you're when you're a little kid right and you go and you're after school and you're walking home you're walking to your best friend's house you get to your best friend's house you're hanging out you're playing video games you're reading comic books Best friend's mom comes in. You're like, guys want a pizza? Yeah. That's what this is like. It's like, yeah, you had one cool thing. And then boom, comes in. It becomes even cooler. That's right. When comic books are introduced to stuff, I get excited. I'm like, heck yeah. And I look around at the people with me and they don't care. They don't care. They never care. But you know who cares? We care. We care. And you know who else cares? I think I hope you care. Well, we hope that you care. We're going to make you care. All right. We're talking about comic books that broke through. We're talking about comic books in mainstream. And let's start off with one that I know a lot of people noticed this past year. We're talking about Stranger Things season number three. It's an easy one. That's right. We have a character. Yes. Her name is Max. Max is holding up two comic books on screen for the world to see. And I got excited because one, both of these came out in 1985. Nice touch. I mean, it's it's obviously a, this is what they should do. The show is set in 1985, so their comics, they should, if they're holding two comics up, they should be 1985 or earlier and not later, like in some other shows. That's right. And 
right now we have two comics to talk about. We have Green Lantern issue number 185 coming out in February that year. So that's some good continuity right yeah. there. So that's probably like a, a book a couple months old from her collection. But here's what's super, super funny. We have Wonder Woman issue number 326 that's in her other hand. This comic book actually came out in July 1985. And I looked up, Stranger Things season three actually takes place in summertime, in July. So that doesn't just mean that Max went and found a comic book that came out earlier that year. This means that either Max had a freaking pull list or went to a store that very month and got this comic book. That's a fresh issue right there. Fresh issue. Good job, Max, being up on your titles. Now, everyone saw those comics, but there have actually been other references in Stranger Things specifically to the comic book community. In the very first episode of Stranger Things, there was a pretty cool reference to an extremely popular, important comic book. That's right. And it kind of foreshadowed what was to come with the lead character. Correct. One of the leads. So but it, it works on multiple levels. It's a cool key comic book. This kid knows his key comics, by the way. So that's important. You got to be up on your key comics. If only there was some sort of app you could download to keep you up and you know up to date and informed on key comic books. I think he may have been a key collector that downloader. Nick? That might have been Nick. Maybe Nick. Oh my goodness. Did we just find a real first appearance of Nick? Was Nick actually in Stranger Things? Let because this kid, you know, they're, uh, I forget who it even was. It was Will. It was Will and Dustin riding home on their bikes. That's right. Will yeah. and Dustin, and they made a bet. Whoever gets home first, you can have one of my comics. I'll take your X-Men 1, 3, 4. That's right. And the issue referenced is, I'll take your X-Men 1, 34. Classic Chris Claremont. The beginning of the Dark Phoenix saga. Which, if you've seen Stranger Things, you can kind of draw some very clear parallels between uh, Phoenix and the character of Eleven. That's correct. Okay, so let's move on from Stranger Things because comic books, they, they obviously Stranger Things is, is an awesome 80s show, but it's a kind of an easy one to dive into. I want to talk about kind of a comic appearance and something a little bit lesser known. A horror movie that came out in 2010 called Altitude. Sounds awesome already. It's a horror movie about kids on a plane. And there's like creatures in the sky, tentacle monsters. I'm talking like HP Lovecraft kind of stuff. And I'm not going to give anything away. I don't want to get into it. But what I want to talk about is a scene that stopped me in my tracks. I remember when I first saw this years ago, I posted it on Instagram. I remember you showed me this scene last year when we were talking about this idea for comic books in other forms of media. You pulled this very clip up and showed it to me and it was comical. We have a bully that finds a comic book in the protagonist's backpack. He takes it out, and it is a rendition of an anthology horror comic book. They call it... Weird Stories. Yeah, it's instead of like weird tales or tales from the crypt, but the idea is the same. It looks like a horror comic book, and this bully makes fun of the person who owns it. He's like, oh, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to take it out of this plastic bag that it's in and he makes fun of the plastic and the cardboard Careful, it's a comic book. So I'll just give it back. oh my god i'm taking it out of its protective case thing and then he goes on to do something just terrible doesn't he rip it he starts crumbling the comic book oh hell no seven years old reading comics that's right and you know what's i find interesting is that it's like to the even average viewer, the fact that it looks like an anthology comic book is probably like, you know, comes and goes. Like, who cares about that? But this idea that there's a value to comic books, even if there was no value indicated, 
the fact that they mentioned there's plastic on it. Oh, we got to keep it safe. And then he starts crumbling it in front of the owner. I think that speaks to something that just in culture we've adapted. There's this value to comic books across the board that's recognized. Yeah, it's pretty easy to tell if this if this dork is, is dorky enough to carry a comic book with him and keep it in plastic. That's right. He must be a big loser dork who's concerned about keeping his dorky comics intact. But it gets even better because who was the director of this movie? It's Carr Andrews. That's right. This guy's a freaking comic book artist. Yes, I own several variant covers that he's done. I didn't even know he'd made a horror movie on a plane before. That's right. And this artist, well-known, put this movie together and it went straight to digital at home release. A lot of people didn't watch it. I never heard of it. That's right. It's cool stuff, though. But tentacles, airplanes, I'm on. And a comic book creator who directed the movie. And I like to think that some of these scenes came from a comic book collector. Speaking of airplanes, Tom, and comic books being involved in certain things, uh, there was one television show that oh, had uh, <laughs> that had a comic book in it that had an airplane in it also. Son Tom. of a bitch! Lost. <laughs> We're talking about Lost talking again? about Lost, because there's definitely a comic book Dude, in that show. how is it that we keep talking about Lost on this show? I don't know. I don't even, this show ended such a long time ago. What is happening? Okay, so we're talking about comic books as they enter into mainstream life. Lost is the most mainstream show of all. Dude, that show was popping when it came out. And man, I I just, like, it was shaking my reality when I was watching it. At least back in that first season when most people were on board and it had yet to really get too weird and too, you know, time travel-y. There's a point you realize you're just not going to answer anything. Yes, and that's when the vast majority of people checked out. But in the early era of Lost, there was a young boy named Walt, who was reading a comic book on the beach. It was a comic book called Green Lantern Flash Fast Friends. Whoa, that's a comic. Exactly. Hence the name of this segment. That's right. And we have Green Lantern and the Flash Faster Friends Part 1. But it gets even better because this is a comic that's actually showcased in the book quite heavily in this episode. There's a polar bear panel in there that's referenced. You know what's even more interesting? To tie this all together even more, Hmm. there's a foreign comic. That's right. In the show, this comic is not an American comic. This is a Spanish version. It's part of the plot. But holy smokes, we're talking about foreign comics right now. Boom. Full circle. Lost is always relevant. Always relevant. Okay. You know what else is super relevant? Hmm. There's a comic Tom exclusive coming in January. Thor 1. Donnie Cates. Want to mention that one again? I'm as... I did. Hasn't... uh, I don't think, uh, I, I, is anyone going to blame me? It's a freaking Thor 1 in Hyakli. Come on. But we're talking about Donny Cates. We're talking about Thor and we're excited. And I figured this would be a great time, a great opportunity to kind of give some Thor recommendations. There's been some great Thor writers of the past. Some people are going to be getting into Thor right now. I guarantee you there are people putting Thor on their pull list because it says Cates right on the cover. That's a big draw for me anyway. So let's chat about some Thor comics and then let's chat about some Donny Cates comics. So first off, let's, Take a look at some comics we think people would be into as it pertains to Thor and, you know, a good place to start if you find yourself needing some more of the Thunder God. The easiest recommendation to give is the Jason Aaron run of Thor. It's relatively recent and it appears to be something that Donny Cates is basing. He's actually pulled a lot of his... Already? Yes. A lot, a lot of his material that he's written throughout Venom and Silver Surfer and, you know, the rest of his Marvel work. A lot of it was seeded in the early issues of Jason Aaron's Thor run. That's something Donny Cates really did well. Sometimes writers, when they come in to take on a new story, a new idea, they kind of retcon stuff. You know, they try to make it their own, make it work. 
But in this case, he was sh- all about showcasing his comic knowledge. He was referencing everything. Yeah, instead of kind of just... You could say Jonathan Hickman, for example, when he came on to X-Men, he kind of just wiped the pieces all off the table and was like, this is my world now. Gold balls. Right. You know? Boom. But uh, Donny Cates... We're going to call of- it gold balding. Sure. Why don't we do that? Let's call it gold balling. Okay. Yes. Let me know what you think about that in the comment section below. (laughs) Donny Cates comes in to the world of of Marvel, not even just Thor, but he comes into Marvel and he's kind of like tiptoeing and sneaking his way in without disrupting. Take that over there. Without disrupting the world that was already built for him by other writers. Like he's just weaseling his way into into that mold without breaking anything, without clearing the table. He's fitting into the world that's already been established by writers like Brian Michael Bendis yep. and writers like Jason Aaron. So Jason Aaron's run is fantastic. He had a huge Jane Foster run in there that is so damn good. Legendary. And then the God Butcher, this whole run, it's long, but it is following Thor being more of a god than he has been in the past. This is a character that if you pray... He's going to hear your prayers. And you pray that, to Thor all the time. We do. We, we say do. that all the time. I, I don't pray to Thor. No, no, I always say pray to Thor, you know? Exactly. But it's because he hears you, and it's about this run, about getting to know Thor in that way. The cosmic, I, love, I love that run because it's got three different versions of Thor all in the same storyline. You have like a prologue prequel version of Thor. Like he's, he's still a young kid. He doesn't have the hammer yet. Right. He's got a big axe, and he's just kind of you know rowdy and, and rough and headstrong. Different parts of his life yeah. have to be covered in order to get to the climax where he has to face off against the God Butcher. It's, really, it's a really cool run. But that's the easiest recommendation for Thor. Now, one thing that got me really into comics as far as like reading again, it really sparked that, that fire hard was civil war and this is right around the time that thor was killed specifically i mean because of civil war they didn't want him to have to side on one or the other i mean you know what side are you gonna put the god on you know so they just took him out of the equation and gave us this like wasn't it like a clone or a robot thor in civil war kind of thing that tony stark made yeah Yeah, like i digress doesn't matter comic books but when they brought thor back yes after civil war thor uh had a relaunch his he had a new thor series by j michael straczynski and uh, Oliver Koipel. That's right. I don't even know how to pronounce it. You love that run, dude. I do. I don't even like Thor, really. I don't consider myself a fan of Thor, but I like I like that run. I read that run mostly because I'm really interested in that era of Marvel Comics, the Civil War era, the mid to late 2000s. Uh, this Thor run is interesting because it deals with the kind of rebirth of Thor and the rebirth of Asgard, the rebirth of all of the Asgardians who everyone died in Ragnarok. Remind me, where was Asgard in this story run? This story uh, involves uh, Asgard being rebuilt, I guess, reconstructed on floating just above uh, a small town in Oklahoma. Right. In Midgard. Asgard is in Midgard, and the whole the whole run is about Thor kind of reawakening. He's kind of got a little bit of amnesia. He has to find the uh, the rest of the Asgardians and kind of reawaken their memories and it's all just a really cool build-up for uh, what happens later on in uh, Siege, for example, when the Dark Avengers and Norman Osborn and all of that. They, he kind of lays Siege to Asgard, and it's a whole, it's a whole big thing. Now, cool, cool era, really great era, great know. era of comics, and a lot of those runs are fantastic. So now let's take a look at one of the classic runs, one that really cemented Thor as a cosmic Avenger, someone who is going into space, traveling dimensions. We have Walt Simonson's classic run, and he did it for, what was it, like five years? Yeah, he was the writer and the artist for a while, and then he stopped drawing, but he kept writing for, I think, another year after, after he stopped drawing. So there you go. There's some stories that you can dive into and enjoy. But let's chat about the writer 
sure. this new comic book that's coming out. I don't think we've mentioned him before. Nah, Sir Cates hasn't been uh, a writer that we've it's talked this writer about. writer at Marvel called Donny Cates who writes various comic books, and he's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's a handful of comics that I want to discuss right now, the first being one of my favorites that introduced me to him as a writer, which was Thanos Wins. Yeah. What a crazy, awesome comic this was. And this was a comic that I thought, for those who are down to try out comic books and want to read a superhero comic, this is a great one to just be like, you know what? Here you go. It takes place in the future and just read it. You don't have to know too much about like all the crazy convoluted present day stuff that's going on as long as you have a general idea of like who Thanos is as a character, which shouldn't be hard for people now that, you know, Endgame is a thing. Everyone knows who Thanos is. Exactly. So this is a dystopian future where Thanos wins. And not just, like, wins. Like, he really wins. Yeah. He takes everybody out. He's got Hulk on a leash in his basement. That's badass. It is so badass. I mean, Cosmic Ghost Rider gets introduced. We have the... uh, I'm not even going to get into it. If you haven't read it yet, read it. You're going to love it. It's a great intro to anything Donny Cates has written. But let's say that that's a little bit too mainstream and you want to go a little bit more independent. Well, he did some of that too. I think a very good intro to Donny Cates, uh, especially because it's so short and just straight to the point. It's punchy. Is God Country. Dude, it's a short series. It is. You can read it in like one afternoon. Yeah, one sitting. And they have it on trade. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty unique. It follows Emmett, who is has some mental difficulties. He's suffering from is it is it actually Alzheimer's or is it just memory loss? He's he's got a, something like that. Yeah, it's and, a combination of, of yeah. that, and he finds because of like a tornado. Yeah, a sword, a twelve foot long sword that when he touches it, his memory comes back and he's and he's back to normal and life seeming to be good. You know, it it heals him to a degree because he's you know he's been chosen to wield the sword. But then, like, it turns out that was an imag- it wasn't a normal tornado. It was some kind of otherworldly tornado, obviously, because it brought some magical sword to our planet. But then it turns out the demon creature thing who owns the sword comes looking for it. And, you know, a conflict is set up that way between Emmett and the rightful owner of this sword. And it's a nice, short, self-contained, no sequels, no other wider universe stuff to be concerned with. It's a really good story. And I think it was part of the reason that Donny Cates was put on the map in the first place. Yeah, it was definitely one that when people read it, they were like, oh my goodness, this guy's got some chops. This is, something, this is an art, a writer to keep an eye on. That's right. And then, of course, you know, wouldn't it be fit to mention Thor and to mention Jason Aaron and all these different things without mentioning Venom? You got to read Venom. Yeah, it's so good. And then it's even the, the obvious f- answer, and it, it feels like a cop-out to include this in a list of three Donny Cates titles to read, but you got to read Venom. Dude, we went through Baby Tooth. We were looking at other stuff he did. We didn't try to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Redneck. But really, I mean, Redneck is so dope, dude. But you know what? When it comes down to it, get yourself the first trade of Venom. You're going to be happy. And get yourself caught up because all of these storylines are starting to to weave together. And I'm you just saying, so You could dude. say Venom is kind of like the through line of all of his Marvel work that he's done so far. In like Silver Surfer and in Guardians, all the buildup he's done for Null and, and Absolute Carnage and all the symbiote stuff. It's all kind of... The backbone of that all is is the Venom run that he's done. And again, also, like we were talking before, it's a run that you don't necessarily need to be super familiar with the wider, you know, pre just before happenings in Spider-Man and in Venom right before that. It's it's pretty new reader friendly. He took like the seeds of plot points from other runs and it just expanded on it here. And then he did it with major characters. So this these stories that are now canon 
they are spreading throughout all these other runs and changing the Marvel Universe. It's pretty cool. He took an offhanded character that was barely in the beginning of Jason Aaron's Thor run and made that guy his overarching super Thanos-level villain for his entire... It seems like he's building up his entire time at Marvel to be kind of a, a null story. Hey, he's creating... It's his character, man. Yep, I'm loving it. But something really dope is that Donny Cates put his time in in the comic book industry. He was an intern at Marvel before any of this. And his first published work actually happened here in Ant-Man and the Wasp, issue number two. Can you describe what happens on the first page of this comic book? Yeah, they let Donny Cates do like the summary, the recap of what happened in the first issue of this of this miniseries. And his style. It's very Donny Cates. Yeah. It's very, uh, like, I don't want to say aggressive, because that's not the right word. To the point. That kind of like bad boy attitude that he has, that like <laughs> skater kid... Donny Cates feel that I get from him. It's it's very on display here. People ask why I call him Sir Cates. It's because I refuse from day one to call him the bad boy of comics. I don't know who thought that was a good Ugh. idea, but that's what Bleeding Cool puts all over the place. Donny Cates, the bad boy of comics. I hate that. Yeah, no, he cheesy. is Sir Cates. We've knighted him. He's a he's a you know we, he's we honor him in the comic book community. This guy's freaking awesome. And if you want to win his first published work, we got two giveaways now. So comment down below. Let us know what you think about the show. What do you think about Donny Cates? Are you excited about Thor? Hit the link in the bio, join the Mr. Email call and get your in Hyukuri comic Tom exclusive. I'm so stoked about it. And let's move on to another subject of the show that I freaking absolutely love, and that's dollar bin diving. What are we looking at today? What, what sort of dollar bins are we diving in? Okay, so I wanted to just take you down this Betty section. You know, like Betty and Veronica? Oh, right. There was a comic run in 2001 called Betty. Now, there is a term that I like to think we helped coin the phrase. I think Nick brought the term to the community, but I think our show brought these comics to the forefront. And I'm talking about good girl covers that are modern. Now being known as Neo Good Girl Covers. And this section on the app is Dollar Bin Divings is showcasing comics that are worth more money, but are largely lost in the scuffle of comic book collecting and hidden in long boxes and unknown, thus pretty affordable on the hunt. That makes sense. Right? So this list right here, we have a bunch of Betty comic books that people may not know. And I'm just going to show you an example of some of the books that if you find on the hunt, you're going to be screaming that you're happy because they're worth money and they're largely missed. I'm talking about Betty issue number eight. This is a cover by Dan DiCarlo. This issue is showing a swimming Betty on the cover. She's got her bikini on. She's got her goggles on. But because of the swimsuit, this is now a it's now known as a Neo Good Girl cover. High value sales of this comic book. Although you can find them for a dollar. Forty dollars. What? Forty bucks for this book right now. Crazy stuff. For that? Oh, it gets better. I'm going to show one other on this on this That's list. That's a book. I, for example, that is a book I would skip right past as I'm looking for something that I came to the dollar bin for. No like, one's looking for Betty. I would never think to grab something like that. Okay, let's go up to 2010. Okay, okay. this is again. These are under 10 years old. These are out there. We have a Dan Parent cover. Betty is on the beach. She's playing with the beach ball. Okay, Betty issue 186. Highs, 65 dollars. Okay. It's published in August 2010. Like, it's just a lower print run. Not a lot of people bought this book. But because of this new collector genre, the neo-good girl genre, we have collectors who are after high-grade copies. 
and it's spiking them in the market. And if you're not up on your key collector app, checking the dollar bin diving section, you're just not going to be up on what's hot and what's being missed in the dollar bins that you yourself are already looking in. Now I'm just thinking about every time I've flipped through a dollar bin and like the five or six comics I've picked out that I went there for. That's what I'm talking about. You're thinking about the whole box that you're skipping through and That's like I'm blazing right, right past. You, uh, Kotom 101. I just want to give up already. Free week subscription. Doing the best collector app in the world. This community here are finding comic books on the daily using this app. I'm getting tagged on Instagram. I post it to my story all the time. Tag me at ComicTom 101. People are finding success. And if we can help you find it, use the code, get a free week subscription. I guarantee you're going to find one book that's going to pay for the subscription in its entirety. All right, let's move on to another. What is this? A new segment? A new segment. News nuggets. News nuggets. How would you describe news nuggets, Ryan? Nuggets of news. Nuggets of news. news okay, nuggets. so these are like the the news that we feel like we just got to bring to the community's attention, but it's because it sparked interest to us. Like we're sitting here and we're going through all these different things and we're like, maybe not show worthy. There's been so many topics over the past 19 podcasts that we've done when we're looking for ideas to talk about. So many things that are like, that's a cool subject, but it's so quick and it's kind of short and there's not really enough there to make a whole, you know, several minute long segment of our podcast about. But we still want to talk about it. We still want to talk about it. So why don't we just take several of those and Smash them into nugget form. That's right. So we got news nuggets for you. And the first one we want to talk about is James Gunn, Suicide Squad number two. News has been breaking about this all year. But this news has got me so excited. James Gunn went to Twitter and announced that this movie that he is producing right now, he, we know he's a fan of practical effects. But he's saying that this movie, Suicide Squad 2, is going to have the most practical effects that he's done in any movie ever. That makes sense because he's got that background in horror movies and people who make horror movies, especially independent horror movies like him, they kind of have no choice but to use practical effects. So I, it makes a lot of sense that he'd be using that here. Don't you think that he probably has a love for practical effects for that very reason? Yeah, it's easier. That's right. Well, and, not necessarily now. Yeah, Sometimes I mean, it's easier to just throw a bunch of money at it and make a special effect. It really depends on it, but yeah. there is probably a passion he has for the makeup and for the actual prosthetics and the different creations that you can do through Prost practical prosthetics effects. Prosthetics and practical effects always age better than CGI, too. No matter how good your CGI is, in five or ten years, it's going to look a little silly, a little flat. People will notice. Yeah, and if you think we're wrong, go check out The Thing and then get back to us. Right. That movie's aged fantastically well, but if you look at any movie full of CGI from like the year 2010, not so much. I'm all about this, man. I think Suicide Squad 2 is going to be a great movie. I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. And I, I think it's needed after just the failure of the first one. Couldn't put it better myself. All right. Let's take a look at this next story here. WandaVision. I am all sorts of interested in this. And I wasn't really at first. But the way that they're releasing the information, slow burn, it's got me intrigued. I've been catching some flack in the community for not being a fan of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Which is the first live action Star Wars series, but it's the first live action series of any kind that is coming out on Disney Plus. True. It's got me a little worried about the Marvel shows. However, the more I hear about WandaVision in particular, the more at ease I am. I want a show that made by Disney Plus to be strange, to be risk takey, to be a little more out there. And I think WandaVision is going to scratch that itch for me. Can't agree with you more there, Ryan. I want to see something different. There's going to be a lot hitting the screen, and it's going to be fighting for viewers' attention. We need something different. If we get something that's the same, it's going to fail. It's not going to be good. But this is news 
from Variety that has got so many people freaking out. It says here, this is the quote, that parts of the show could be filmed in front of a live studio audience. This is going to be a classic sitcom blended with huge Marvel action. What is this? How can this possibly be a thing? Like, like what and what laugh what, tracks? Yeah, studio audience. Like, I love Lucy. How? Like, in what world does this? It, it has to be her having some kind of like hallucinations or some trippy dream sequence. Yeah, maybe it's like a, a thing that they do sometimes on the show. So they're just gonna film those scenes in front of a large studio audience. But that typically, sounds weird, and that's the exact kind of weird that I want. But it's and it's also the kind of thing that would incent a production company typically when you do something in front of a live studio audience you're saving time because you're filming things faster you get the laugh track and yeah it ends up helping in post but i'm not sure if this is more for a creative decision so we just get some interesting narratives or if they're actually going to give us a sitcom like show which is what they're soliciting I'm reminded of the, there was a, a bunch of freaky dream sequences in Requiem for a Dream where she's visualizing herself on stage in like a talk show kind of environment with a live studio audience there. And it was a scary dream sequence. And I'm thinking something like that might be, could be, might be what we're looking at. Hopefully not like the rest of Requiem for a Dream, but you know, you get my feeling. All right, the next one on this list here that has just perked my interest is Werewolf by Night. I've been following this character for quite some time. We had news early last year that Hulu was going to be taking on a number of different shows as that year winded out. It looked like it was going to be a lot of darker shows. Ghost Rider was really big for Hulu, so they were kind of building up a separate like dark street-level mm-hmm. counterpoint to the uh, Netflix street-level universe that was developing and has now failed. And now that we are seeing all of these shows transfer from Hulu now to Marvel Plus, looks like that's not happening anymore. Werewolf by Night has kind of been lost in that scuffle until recently because now we're seeing rumors hit the internet that Werewolf by Night is going to be in Moon Knight, which makes so much sense. That's where they got introduced. It's kind of like John Constantine and Swamp Thing hanging out all the time. I'm excited to see this angry ginger and I'm even more excited to see him side by side with Moon Knight. It makes a lot more sense with that Blade cast than the Midnight Suns, which is what I think they were planning on going as far as the direction on Hulu. I just think if you, you throw a werewolf in the mix and, and like, what is that going to do to your show? That could that could make it so scary. If they do it right, they could really make this Moon Knight show. Like I'm really looking forward to the Moon Knight show too. And I have, I have he's been one of those characters that I've been kind of like, eh. And I don't really, I've never really dabbled in Moon Knight, so I'm looking forward to this a lot. All right, Matt Reeves, Batman. What is this guy doing? We have so many different villains that are now coming to the forefront, being casted. We got Riddler, we got Penguin, we got Catwoman, we got Commissioner Gordon. All these different supposed characters that we can expect to see in one movie. And it sounds like we have rumors about why that's happening. I don't know how I feel about this. I really, I've, I've been on record as being kind of like, Nervous. Ryan's about, confused. I don't. You're feeling some turmoil. You're yeah. fighting inside. The devil and God are raging inside of you. Always. I remember when they were talking about Long Halloween being an influence for this movie, and I was kind of nervous that that had too big of a scope, that there was too much in that storyline. There's too many villains. You kind of tick through every single rogues gallery villain sure. that Batman has. And I'm, I'm kind of worried that if you put that many villains into a movie, you'll get the Spider-Man 3 effect where the whole movie just kind of unravels and, and fizzles out. Why does it look like... But they're doing this 
because they're, they're, leaving, they're leaving the door open now that Joker was such a big success, I think. They're leaving the door open from this Batman movie to kind of be a springboard launching point for solo villain films. So like if the Riddler, for example, does really well, Paul Dano, who I love, and I'm very much looking forward to see him seeing his Riddler, if he does well, there's potential here for a Riddler spinoff. Origin or something. Yeah. Similar to the Joker. They're trying to figure out a way to replicate it. It makes sense to me. If you're going to make a uh, like a mini cinematic universe around the Batman characters, I think you could you could do a lot worse. You know, there's Batman characters have all kinds of, you know, you have you have unlimited potential there, basically. All for right. A, for a mini cinematic universe. Next one on the list here, we got Zack Snyder. We haven't actually talked about this much, which is, I don't know. I, it's been on the list a couple times as a maybe we talk about on the podcast, but then I don't know. I kind of felt like it really wasn't worth it. But then, damn, this guy is not letting up. Zack Snyder's not letting up. I've noticed Jason Momoa has been saying a lot of stuff about the Snyder Cut recently. It's It seems to kind of never go away. And the movie's been out for like two years now. That's right. Every other day, it seems like there's just more and more individuals being riled up, saying that they want to see what Zack Snyder intended for us to see years ago. I'm usually always on on that side because every superhero movie comes out. You always hear behind this after the fact. You always hear behind the scenes there was a big conflict between the studio and the director. And it usually ends with the studio forcing the directors to kind of change some stuff or put some stuff out or, you know, just generally water it down to make it more palatable for the masses. I.e. Suicide Squad. Sure. Yeah. Suicide Squad is a big victim of that. I also personally think Green Lantern is a little bit of a big victim of that. And we're having that we're having that happen here. And I usually always side with the creator in this in this instance. And I think in a movie like Justice League, it could only be improved by a director's cut. It could only be improved. There's yeah, low they, bar. They cut a lot of that, a, a lot of the good potential out of that film. It's it's a it's a ugh, I don't even know. It was a mess. It's a shell of what it could have been. Well, a lot of individuals voiced their opinions saying that they demanded to see it. They want to see it, right? Will Warner Brothers do this kind of thing? It's been two years. It's been two years. It's a lose-lose situation. They got a new know? Batman already. It, it, let's say they put it out and it does well. That would be scary for them. Like, what if, yeah, if it does well, then people are like, well, hey, this was pretty cool. Let's let's get more of this. Yeah, you screwed up. Or yeah. if it doesn't do well. We mm. want Ben Affleck back. Like, you know, like, that's, that's they're, not They're already looking at the future. They're, it's like it's done, it's done, it didn't work <sighs> out. However, one of the points, you know, kind of, to go against the, yeah, let's bring it out men, the mentality there, is that what could they have actually done? Like, all right, we have a two-hour long movie, and let's say there's 15 minutes, okay? Let's say there's 15 minutes of extra footage, 20 minutes of extra footage. Heck, give it a freaking half hour of extra footage. How much more dialogue? Maybe another character? Maybe there's like a storyboard that at they that can show po- at us? At that point, you're basically just inserting deleted scenes back into the movie, and usually deleted scenes are cut for a reason, and those need to be removed for you know general flow and stuff. And yeah, you put all those back in the movie, you usually end up with something like 15, 20 minutes of kind of yeah, and it it's feels like bloated, bloated, and it's like no big deal, right? And that's what it's like. That's what I I felt like a lot of people thought that were like, oh, but they don't care about it. That's what they were thinking. It's not very much, and if it is anything, it's like not very good. It's not. It's unfinished probably not worth it forget about it move on however we're talking about news nuggets for a reason news nuggets news nuggets Zack snyder tweeted out that not only does the snyder cut exist he showed a freaking picture of it and what does it say on the front three hours three hours plus running time 
There's over an hour's worth of movie. Not 20 minutes, not 25 minutes, not 60 minutes. We're talking like there's like a whole half of a movie that we didn't see. What do you think is in there? So now I'm like, damn it. Now am I switching sides here? Do I want to see this movie? (laughs) I don't even know. Comic fam, let me know what you think. Does this change your mind if you didn't care? Or if you do care, are you just up in arms now? You're freaking out and you demand to see it because I... I'm starting to think that there could have been something in there that could have saved it. I watched Justice League, and the whole time I kept feeling like this was moving too fast. Like I really, personally, I wanted to see more of like the cyborg story. I felt like he suffered the most, like as far as cuts to the plot go. Like they just kind of got rid of his whole story and and even involvement in the plot altogether. It's similar to what you described about your concerns about the upcoming Matt Reeves Batman. There's so many characters, so many heroes, more than one antagonist, and all of a sudden they kind of get watered down. You don't feel like you got enough of anything, and you kind of feel like, you know what? Kind of a letdown. Bummer. Yeah, so maybe an extra hour of the Justice League movie could have been... uh, Hour plus. Yeah. Over three hours. Exactly. I I looked online, man, for Justice League was just over two hours. Yeah, and it wasn't good. A lot of it was it was it was all over the place. What do you think, Comic Fam? Let us know in the comment section below. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget, we have two different giveaways that we're doing today. We have the first Donny Cates published work, and we also have this incredible gift from Bill S. and Team. With we more have to a, come. We got we got a whole we got oh, a yeah. whole stack of these prints that we're going to be yeah. giving away. This I'm going to be posting a bunch of this on Instagram for everyone to see. So if you want to see some of these prints of what's coming, go go say hi over there. Comic Tom 101, follow that guy. Yeah, go follow Ryan as well. Follow Guy Ryan over on Instagram. We do appreciate your time today. Go download Key Collector Comics. Use that code Tom101. Get the best comic book app that exists on the market. And last but not least, we got to just remind you that we have... The, Tom's excited. Dude, I'm excited. I don't I'm even, excited too. Dude, I don't think anyone's going to blame me for fanboying about my own freaking Thor comic book. Donnie Cates is on the cover. You flip it around and my name's on the back. I'm freaking out. Get your comic Tom exclusive for January reserved. I have a feeling they're going to sell quick. Low print, baby. It's going to be crazy. Exciting. It's exciting, man. We're, I want we're on one. Oh, get one. <laughs> is that how that works? Do I get one? Of course you're going to get one, I man. I ordered extra for you, brother. Just for me. For the team. We got to... This is a big deal, man. Right? Thor. Inhyuk Lee. Woo! Comic fam. 2020 is going to be an awesome year. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Join us as we continue this conversation over on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We're not done. Oh, we're just getting started, dude. We're about to talk about Watchmen. That's probably going to go for like a whole damn half hour. I love it. I'll do it. As always, comic fam. Geek responsibly. Enough? Said. Yo, Nick Pryor, congratulations. You won the giveaway from last week's video, issue of Spider-Verse 1, the 1 in 25 Patrick Brown variant. And comic fam, if you click over here, you can watch last week's podcast. And if you click over here, you got another video that you can check out. I recommend it. Okay, Ryan. (laughs) Okay, it's the after show, baby. Yes, it is. Ryan, it's the after show. It's the after show. Okay, I'm so pumped right now. I'm so pumped that Ryan, what am I doing right now? You are standing. I'm standing right now. There's no cameras on right now, but comic fam. Take my word for it. It's the after show. And what am I doing right now? He is standing. Why am I standing right now? For some reason, I don't know why, honestly. Okay. I'm standing right now talking to the mic because I'm so excited that I have to actually be on my feet to say this. We talked about a Thor exclusive on the channel. Did we? A few times because I'm so damn excited about it. But by the time that the YouTube audience hears this podcast, it's months away. So they're like, oh, we already know about that. They're looking at February's exclusive. What's up? Because, you know, we're going to be doing another Marvel one. What's up? But, <gasps> but here we go. This is what I got to say. Watchmen is so damn good that I have to stand up and I feel like I need to scream it from the damn rooftops. Ah! It is the best show 
that has been on TV in over 12 months. It's better than Umbrella Academy. It's better than The Boys. And you know what? It's sure as hell better than Star Wars Mandalorian. Oh, I'm glad I didn't have to say it. Tenfold. I'm getting tired of saying that. Twentyfold. People are, are focusing way too much on the wrong show. Baby who? Baby Yoda? How about giant freaking squid? Way cooler. Giant squid comic fam. Why is it that I have to stand up and scream in my garage that we just saw the Watchmen issue 12 rendition from the damn comic book on screen and no one said boo. No one said boo, Ryan. No one was even watching it. They were saying peekaboo. That's what they were saying with baby Yoda. Yeah, they're playing peekaboo with a little baby. Giant freaking squid i know which one i'm watching oh, i'm watching both but oh i know which gosh. one i'm obsessing about in okay. the week in between okay let's do it ryan watchmen uh, let's just okay where do we even start <sighs> we, we just we just came in here with a general let's talk about watchmen rule when was the last time you watched a show that was like watchmen that you're like you know what i think i want to watch it again lost that's what i'm talking about not this even is, game of thrones not like, even dude no. Screw that, dude. Right? That's like you want to watch that in like five years. Like, ah, I watched re- I'll rewatch season one because like what happened. But no, no, no. This is like, this episode is so damn good that I'm like, I'm watching it and then I break. I watch the Easter egg videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I go down the podcast rabbit holes for you a half on, freaking hour. Go on HBO.com slash PDPedia and read all the like. Yeah, this is what it sounds like. Articles. This is my, this is what it sounds like on my end. PDPedia. I got to read about this crap. Right, Tom types like a 1990s computer hacker. I, I do. I have to break into the matrix. Matrix. But <laughs> to the, we got to break into the, to the motherboard. To the mainframe. The mainframe. We got to hack in. That's exactly Edward it. Snowden style. No, for real though. I think a lot of people say like, oh yeah, Watchmen. They revere Watchmen. Yes. They feel like it's like one of the best comic books ever written. You hear it all the time. It's on Time Magazine's list of 100 greatest novels. Everyone knows that. So what is going on right now when you see actual shots from the comic and a retelling of the story that hasn't been told this good ever. It puts the movie to freaking shame and we're not even seeing like, this is a sequel. We're not even seeing actual, like uh, we're not even seeing the retelling of Watchmen. We're seeing like snippets of it. And that's more than enough. It's better than better than seeing the events of the comic, which we've already seen. We've read the comic. We don't need to see the comic like we did in the 2009 film. It was good. It was a good movie. It was a faithful retelling of the Watchmen story. But it's way more interesting to take the end of Watchmen, fast forward 30 years, and see what the world looks like after that. Like, what's been going on? That's, That's way more it's, interesting. It's so good. And it's there's, so I, good. Have you ever watched a show? Has there ever been a show like this? Has there ever been a show where you had canon, comic book canon, and then they said, okay, we're going to keep this, go into the future, and tell the sequel, but then use this opportunity to showcase the past. And there's never been a sequel made, like in comics. It's never been done. They're not adapting a sequel. They're creating it from scratch. I guess, yeah, I guess you could consider Doomsday Clock a sequel in a way, but it's it's not. I don't, I don't even, nah. Doomsday Clock just feels like a kind of ham-fisted way to mash Watchmen and DC together to see what, you know, to see what happens. Doesn't count. It's good. I mean, I'm enjoying Doomsday Clock for what I've read of it so far, no, but, but I'm it's, talking like Watchmen it's sequel, nowhere dude. as good as the show has been. It's like Watchmen's sequel, man. Like this is this is the continuation of this revered story, and we're seeing it happen every week. My mind's being blown, and there's not nearly enough people talking about it. No. the um the main The main concept of the show, I guess, I've read a couple interviews with Damon Lindelof, the creator, 
and he said that he didn't want to. The main thing he's been focusing, he's been a lifelong fan of Watchmen. He actually wrote the blurb on the uh, on one of the older uh, trade paperbacks of Watchmen and saying that it was the greatest piece of popular fiction ever produced. Didn't he's, even know that he's been on the back of the Watchmen trade paperback for like the last fifteen years or so. I had no idea. That's yeah. freaking awesome information. Exactly. He he came at this show in the first place from a perspective of a fan. Like if I was going to if I found out that somebody was making a Watchmen TV show, like what would I want? And he's 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 making sure that the show isn't like retreading old ground. He made sure that the, the focus was going to be on a new person and how this new person lived in the world that we know from the comic. But fast forward thirty years, it's brilliant. It really is, and it's it's hard to kind of condense into like a half hour discussion or however the hell long this ends up being i think half hour might be overkilling it but it's very hard to condense especially if you've never seen the show or if you haven't read the book recently right which you should be reading by the way annually yeah that's actually not that far (laughs) off read it as much as you can i'm very much overdue for a reread myself dude i have family members who like it's a thing every year they read harry harry potter or they read game of thrones or or lord of the rings is a big one a lot of family members like in my family reread lord of the rings annually Watchmen is a read that I you have to read annually, dude. Like this is a book that you need to know. You need to know it like you know your Overstreet price guide. And Alan Moore went so hard on Watchmen. Like every time you read it, it's something new jumps out at you. No matter what, every time something new. Yeah, the, the pages have pages in them. You know, layers. That's layers. That's the it's show like has, has, has the same kind of depth and attention and to detail and layers that the that the comic had. Can't recommend if you're not watching any like Easter egg breakdown videos. They're really short. They're typically like eight minutes long. But after every episode, there's a handful of YouTubers that are going to go on there that know their Watchmen stuff and they're going to go scene by scene. They're going to show you the the newspaper print that had one one second screen time that was legit ripped from the comic. Right. Yeah. There's you see flashbacks and there's the same exact newspaper on the ground that you can see in on the ground in one issue of the comic. You've got various background gang member type characters who make appearances again in the in the TV show. There's old advertisements, uh, billboards on the in the background, storefronts that are lifted straight from the show. Businesses, from the comic concepts, yeah, product lines, characters, stuff you don't know. Superheroes, super teams, everything. Yes, it's like he looked at this opportunity. They're like, "Yo, we want you to do Watchmen on HBO," and he's like, "Okay." I'm going to make a sequel to Watchmen. I'm going to write a sequel to Watchmen. That's what he, he had to have looked at it like that because that's what he did. Brilliant. And it's got me thinking, you know, okay, so this, this has been from the beginning. This, he's, he's said this is going to be nine episodes mm-hmm. and that, that's it. Oh, I hope it's more. Which is, it's a tragedy. And I hate, I hate the thought that listen this is to, over. Listen to Ryan go, he wants more. I want more, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, it. you have to know there's a, there's a very good, uh, there's, a, there's something to be said for coming in Telling your story and and leaving, yeah, and yeah, just, and not lingering and not Robert Kirkmaning this thing and just no telling, back. sticking around for the rest of life. Surprise! He's, he's kicking the door down. He's screaming what he wants to scream. He's slamming the door shut, and boom, this it's over. It's gonna one ninety three it. Close it's, the door. It's got me thinking, like HBO's not gonna want to let this go. They they might have to, mm-hmm. but what else could they do? Like they are they're both HBO and DC Comics are both owned by Warner Brothers, right? So if DC and HBO are smart, they're going to be looking at other comic books that they might be able to do something similar with in you know a sort of similar way. And especially now that Game of Thrones is over and now that Watchmen is about to be over, they, there's always been kind of a, uh, an appetite on that network for something like nerdy and, and powerful. And 
they need it. They need something like that now okay. that Watchmen's about to be over in a few weeks. I like that you describe Watchmen as powerful. Yeah, it is. It's so good, man. It's so funny. I want to see other comic book renditions. And you know what? With the success of this, that's why I'm screaming it from the rooftops. That's why I want people to know this show's amazing. And if you don't think it's amazing yet, it's probably because you haven't dived deep enough into it. Or you haven't read reread Watchmen. Right. And I think enough. a lot of people got turned off by the first episode or something because it was confusing. You know, there's some weird Rorschach stuff happening. Dude, that's my favorite thing is like I, I watched episode one. Okay. When it rained squids, yep. I knew what I was getting. I knew. I'm like, oh my gosh. This is everything. That's what we some, said. Some people this are going to love it. Some people are going to really get really confused and irritated by that sort of thing. But that, that, that really speaks to me. I love that stuff. People got irritated, but you want to know the people who got irritated? The ones who didn't know. They're the ones who like, didn't really understand the ending of Watchmen or who thought they read it, but they didn't really read it. They read it too right. quick. Or they watched the movie and they thought it was all the same. Or they like to forget you know, certain aspects of what they read and then it just gets blurred. So then when they see it on screen, there are people who are like, I just don't get it. This why are there silly. squids? Why, don't, why doesn't anybody care? Why are they all these Rorschach? They're all white supremacists. It's like, okay, yeah, but kind of. Like you got to kind of follow gotta, that pattern a little of one or two steps further down the road. You're thinking like, okay, rain squids. Why is everybody pulling over? They're turning on their windshield wipers. They're not freaking out and panicking like you'd be if it started raining squids from the sky yeah, with well, no reason. Yeah, why is there a, a van that's like a cleanup van for squids? And it's important because they don't address it and they don't focus on it and that makes it mysterious that makes it interesting and you want to know why why the world is like this and it makes you think and that's part of why this show works on a level that other shows are too scared honestly to 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 leave people that confused for that long i don't think other tv shows and other other creators have that kind of faith in their audience i guess you don't you can't see other programs or you know like major television channels comic book nerd friendly properties that are based on certain stories that people love right that are getting a lot of attention right now that everyone can't stop talking about what do you think hmm i don't know i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) well what i can tell you that i am talking about is that this is something that is kind of unique to hbo i can tell you one thing you wouldn't see a dr manhattan sex toy on screen if this was disney plus Right, yeah, that's very true. Um, also, this was we talked about it a little while ago. HBO and DC are doing that Green Lantern thing, so maybe that's going to be like their next. I, yeah, I don't know. See, this this is all part of the confusion here. Yeah, because we also saw recent reports in this last week that Green Lantern, like canon Green Lantern, like at, uh, an actual crack at. The Green Ring, Ryan Reynolds style, you know, in the green, not inspired, Green Lantern Corp. Like, we are talking about a full movie adaptation. Warner Brothers is still interested in doing it. They've had that on the on the, on the the docket ever since they started doing this whole Justice League, Ben Affleck, Batman universe. There was a Green Lantern Corps movie on the slate for years now. They've just kind of been pushing it back and focusing on Aquaman first, focusing on Justice League first, and waiting to get to the Green Lantern movie. And I always kind of figured that would just get left in the dust and kind of ignored and forgotten because it's always been so far out. But then HBO's like, yo, we're doing something. We're doing a Green Lantern-inspired show. Right. And people are freaking out. They're like, oh, this is going to be great. Cool. And we kind of, we said, first thing on the mic was, why did they say inspired? Yes, that's sketchy. That's weird. Red flag. Red. That's a big red flag. What does that mean? You can say anything is inspired. Mm-hmm. It could be like no space. Sure. You know, it's a whole, it's a, it's a military show about, you know, like people flying airplanes and stuff. You could say Top Gun is a Green Lantern inspired yeah, movie. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. no, like is it is it going to be Green Lantern or is it not? 
We don't know. But what is super curious is that Warner Brothers is saying, no, no, we're still interested in doing this. We're still interested in doing the the Green Lantern core film that we've always been talking about and this new thing with HBO. Like, we're going to do both at the same time. So what are they doing? I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't even aware there was this much clamoring for Green Lantern stuff. Yeah, as, as a on, big Green dude? Lantern fan myself, I don't <laughs> like, know how I feel about this. Even you are like, I'm confused. One's fine. <laughs> like, like, One's enough. Don't. Yeah, don't don't overreach. <laughs> like, play it safe a little bit. Oh my goodness! I want to see Fever Vendetta thirty years in the future. Yes. Like, let's do that. That's what I want. <laughs> any any kind of Vertigo stuff. Yeah. Ah, there's so much that can be done. Even like a. Heck, man, Dark Knight Returns, right? You know, Batman Beyond. Put put a live action Batman series on HBO Max. Yeah, that could be good. That could actually with with um withstand a bunch of antagonists in the in the movie or right. So. And and this whole this Matt Reeves Robert Pattinson Batman thing with the ninety villains that they're doing or whatever that feels like a better TV series premise to me than than a movie because you got way more time and room to develop various characters and plot lines and stuff versus a two hour movie three hour movie that's gonna be chopped up by the studio and a lot riskier i think i don't know i don't know this whole this whole next year is going to be really weird it's gonna be strange man yeah this is the first time that this has ever happened where we had so many competing streaming services that it's making original content all different from one another i mean we have marvel talking about sitcoms that they're going to do in front of a live studio audience what is happening what if animated what if yeah like there's so much happening right now and, and it's awesome like I'm, I'm glad to be living in this time where we have so many choices but now it's beginning to be about what is going to it's like what's the best of it because i tell you right now there's too much there's already too much i'm not watching flash anymore yeah i dropped those a long time when did ago. you when was the last time you seen arrow exactly do you care about legends of tomorrow i never even saw the boys Supergirls is still going on yeah like what's going on dude like i don't i don't care there's just there's so many of them and a lot of them aren't good and plus you got to factor in you mentioned all that the cw stuff's on the way out like arrow's yeah. done soon flash is going to be done soon they're doing the crisis on infinite earths you got batwoman just starting up i guess supergirl's doing pretty well but like it feels feels like the origins of at least the Arrowverse are winding down and something something new has to has Emerge. to fill the gap yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens i think i think we're going to see the answer a lot in in the marvel plus shows and on hbo max to a lesser extent well i think we're going to see a handful of shows outshine others and then that's going to start watchmen um, yeah <laughs> watchmen watchmen Excuse me. and then more watchmen yes but i mean like on the other services too you know i feel like if we would have seen something pop more on the DC app, maybe Swamp Thing would have done better. Yeah. You know? That new Harley Quinn cartoon looks cool. I'm interested in checking that out. But yeah, nothing on that app has really kind of clicked. The streaming wars are going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Consume, but also be very real with our audience. There's going to be so much stuff that we're not going to be able to watch at all. And the stuff that we do watch, we're going to have to be just brutally honest with you. I don't have Amazon Prime. I'm not going to be able to watch The Boys. You know what I'm thinking is going to happen? The boys. You got to watch the boys, dude. That's what everyone says. I miss boys the boys. Boys is actually really, really good. Exactly. Like I would actually say that that would have taken the place of my favorite show this year until Watchmen, and Watchmen ah. isn't even done. And I'm already saying Watchmen's better. That's exciting. But boys is, like, you're going to enjoy that. I got to. I got to check it out. There's, there's no time. There's never enough time to watch everything. But what I can't say is going to happen is there's going to be more and more shows, more and more option news. A lot of these different companies are going to start releasing rumors they're going to start leaking information ideas that they want to see hit the screen to get people excited they're going to try to get people riled up about their product about their service that means that we're going to start seeing comic different comic keys and sales across the board and we're gonna have to keep up with what we really think is going to be long-term stuff like 
just because a show happens doesn't mean that comic is worth spending a bunch of money on it. And I think that that is going to be what this next couple of years are going to be about is going through all of them and trying to figure out where our attention should be, what comics we should be following and kind of basing our opinions about spec around the quality of these shows and how they're landing with the public because there's going to be so much competition. It might be because I'm looking at Ant-Man and the Wasp right now, but it's got me thinking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. The film had Ghost in it, and that comic book spiked pretty hard right mm-hmm. before that movie came out, and then relatively soon after that movie dropped, and the, the, the fever kind of died down, what, what little fever there was around mm-hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Ghost comic, is anybody buying that anymore? Is that like a hot key? Or people Not nearly what it was going for right? like, when the previews were hitting. And that typically happens with a lot of comics. But the whole name of the game is, you know, get the comics before that happens. Yeah. Possibly sell them off or go for higher grade stuff as it peaks. But also, and this is kind of what I was chatting about, there's an aspect of just your personal opinion as a collector and just your opinion on just the quality of things you've seen. We're all in this community together. We're all seeing the same movies. And if you get that gut response that this actor looks like they're going to kill it, I think that David Arbor is going to have more to do in the MCU. You may want to invest in that Avengers book that features the first appearance. However, if you are getting vibes that, ah, this may be a one shot, that the the costume design doesn't look good as we approach. Taskmaster. Dude, Taskmaster looks terrible. Okay? <sighs> that, see what I'm saying? Like It's not just a you know, blanket answer for all comics that, yeah, just because it's going to be in a show, we got to watch it and got to buy it. No, we got to assess the situation. We got to assess whether as the lead up, you leap. yeah, look, we got to look and we're looking from far away, right? But there's going to be so much to look at and we're going to do our best to keep you updated. Comic fam. We try, we try to take care of you. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening to us rant about our favorite shows. Thanks for listening to me to you know, listening to me, plug our exclusive over and over again, this show. I'm just super pumped about it, and I've been holding it in. I've been showing the 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 you know. I've known for a couple of weeks, and it's yeah. been it's been rough to keep that secret. Yeah, but I didn't. I wasn't able to show you the comic until recently. Exactly. Yeah, like this is all under wraps, it's man. Pretty recent. It's all new, and it's all very exciting. Yes, right. Comic fan, we do appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything. You give us the best job in the world. Don't and forget always, if you're listening to this on iTunes and all that too. Go and go and drop a rating. That's, that's right. Very helpful for the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a good reminder. Um, a lot of the services that we post our audio portion of the podcast on they just don't have rating systems so if you go and rate it on itunes it means a lot because there's only a handful of you know places that you can even do that so it's helpful very helpful thanks comic fam have a great one see you next week see you